Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Record-breaking rainfall paralyzes a quaint Missouri town. The flood of 93 was one of the most amazing and traumatic events. Just as a beloved couple vanishes without a trace. The community was concerned and there was a general disbelief that they could disappear. It's a race against the clock as the investigation takes a backseat to first responders focused on the rising waters. I recall vividly just an onslaught of rain torrential rain that lasted for weeks. But washed out roads, it overflowed bridges, so it created significant impact there. Will the weather keep the secret of their disappearance hidden forever? We couldn't even search because it's just too stormy and too dangerous to actually be out. All this is a result of a perfect storm of events that wound up putting us through hell. summer of 1993, a historic flooding disaster unfolded across Missouri and eight other Midwest states, causing economic ramifications that would be felt for years to come. Not only did it cause death and loss of property, but jobs were lost. Um, families, farms were lost, homes were destroyed. The catastrophic flooding was not caused by one single rainstorm, but a series of unique weather events. It all started after the Midwest had already endured a wet fall. Then around June, the season started to change. You had the cold jet stream to the north and the Bermuda High to the south, which is an area of high pressure that forms over the Atlantic Ocean near Bermuda during the summer. So that Bermuda High with its clockwise flow brings warm, moist air across the Gulf of Mexico and northward over the Mississippi Valley region. That's when we start to see some very decent thunderstorms, a lot of training of thunderstorms. When thunderstorms track over the same area over and over before moving out, and those thunderstorms would drop two to three inches of rainfall at a time. Again, just during the month of July, we saw over a foot of rain in some parts of Missouri. The magnitude and severity of this flood event was so overwhelming that it ranks as one of the greatest natural disasters ever to hit the United States. It has been called the Great Flood of 1993. As thunderclouds slowly roll in, around 5 p.m., the Bonterre Police Department receives an unusual call from a 30-year-old man named Michael Lewis. He says he lives in St. Louis, but he's worried about his parents, 62-year-old Grace and 67-year-old Charles Lewis, who live in a large farm just outside of Bonterre. He says his sister Mary called him and said she last spoke to their mom the day before around 4 p.m., when the conversation was suddenly cut short. 
Mary had been on the phone with Grace Lewis, and Grace told Mary that she heard gunfire outside the home, and she was going to go check on the gunfire. This was an area where a lot of people hunt and fish, so gunshots are not that unusual to, uh, to hear. But Mary told Michael she never heard back from their mom, and neither one of their parents were answering the phone. Michael tells police that they're heading to Bonterre to check on them. I contacted the authorities whenever I was leaving St. Louis because I thought the police, even though they you know, have a small force, may have been able to get out to do a wellness check on my parents. After more than an hour drive, Michael and Mary arrived to their parents' farm just before dusk. We actually arrived at the farm before the police, which doesn't surprise me because a wellness check, you know, they've got a lot of other things to take care of. While they wait for police, Michael and Mary take a look around themselves and immediately notice that things on the tidy farm are oddly out of place. The lawnmower is out in the middle of the yard. And my dad was always very meticulous about putting away his equipment and making sure all of it, you know, was where it needed to go. So that was, was very, very unusual. The two wonder if one of their parents fell ill suddenly and they stopped everything to rush to the hospital. A pickup truck was missing. The lawn was half a mowed. And we thought, well, maybe they went to town, had a flat tire or something. Inside, they encounter an equally disturbing scene. We saw my mom's purse. My mom's purse had $300 or so cash inside of it. So even though the truck was gone and my parents were gone, her purse was still there and the stove wasn't turned on, but there was obviously the beginnings of a dinner being made. The siblings fear something terrible has happened to their parents. Charles Lewis was born in 1926 in Greenfield, Illinois, a rural community 60 miles north of St. Louis, Missouri. He was orphaned at the age of 14. His father had long passed, but he was raised by his mother and she passed at 14. After high school, Charles attended the University of Illinois and graduated with a degree in accounting. He got into being a stockbroker for a firm up in St. Louis. While in St. Louis, he met my mother. Born in 1931, Grace White was an only child and raised on a large farm in Bonterre, Missouri, but was attending school in St. Louis. She was introduced to Charles through his sister, Jenny. They had social dances, the school where my mom went, which is also where my Aunt Jenny went. They invited my father to one of those dances and they met at that dance. Their connection was immediate and family was important to both of them. So after the couple got married in 1950 in St. Louis, they immediately started their own. I come from a family of eight. I had uh, three sisters and four other brothers, and I am the youngest of the boys. After 24 years, the Lewis family relocated to Grace's family's farm in Bonterre, a historic mining town 60 miles south of St. Louis, just west of the Mississippi River. The 400-acre farm had been in her family since the early 1800s. It's a very rural area, lots of rivers, streams, creeks, woods, kind of rolling hills, lots of farming, a very pleasant area to live, and a good area to raise a family. Charles continued to commute to his job in St. Louis, while Grace took charge on the farm. 
Their presence was immediately felt by the community, especially when Charles and Grace joined the United Methodist Church. Chuck was known for hiring folks that were down on their luck in the community to be farmhands and to help him with his cattle and to help him with his chores. And the Lewis's charity was also appreciated by their children, especially their oldest, Charles Jr., who was looking to start his own data storage business. My older brother needed some money to help get the business started, and so my father helped him get that up and rolling along with some investment money. Then I joined a company about 1987. Even after Charles Sr. retired from accounting in 1983, he kept his stake in the family business. Most folks knew that Chuck Lewis was a wealthy man. He had done well in his career. By 1993, he and Grace were happily spending their twilight years on their little piece of heaven. They were very friendly, very gracious, uh, just good Christian people. Which is why it's so odd that they would suddenly vanish without a word to anyone. After calling 911 about their missing parents, an officer from the Bonterre Police Department arrives at the Lewis's farm to meet Michael and Mary, just as the heavens open up. By the time he arrived, it was already beginning to rain very, very heavily. Like many other counties, the immediate area was experiencing rounds and rounds of thunderstorms, dropping very heavy rainfall across the area. As local police prepare to search for the missing couple, they must also rescue those affected by the floods. And the clock is ticking. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. 
but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. In September 1993, just as retired couple Charles and Grace Lewis seemed to vanish into thin air off their Bonterre, Missouri farm, the entire Midwest was experiencing an unusual weather event that had been building for months. The flood of 93 was one of the most traumatic events in my life. The entire St. Louis region looked as if it were Big Lake, uh, particularly along uh, the Mississippi and Missouri rivers. The water was unbelievable. Amid the most recent downpour, a Bonterre police officer has just arrived to Charles and Grace Lewis's 400-acre farm. Their children, Michael and Mary, believe their parents have vanished under suspicious circumstances. We had no clues to where my parents were, no phone calls, no visible signs, no notes for ransom, no nothing. At the time, foul play was a possibility, but we really didn't have any information. So there are so many possibilities that have to be explored. Could they have gone to town and tried to drive across one of the flooded highways? Are we missing a family that's been swept downstream? Have they been kidnapped? Through the pouring rain, Michael and Mary tell the officer about their parents' missing truck and point out the half-done yard work. Unfortunately, any other evidence outside has been destroyed by the weather. The physical evidence due to heavy rainfall washed away tracks, fingerprints, any blood that may have been left behind. The rain had saturated the ground to the point where the ground was just sitting water. If the ground had been a little more dry or slightly muddy, it would have been easier to find shoe prints or tire tracks. Inside, the siblings walked the officer through the house for a closer inspection. As far as physical signs of any struggles or anything, we really couldn't find anything. Our thought process as well, let's see what's here and what's not here. In addition to Grace's purse wide open with $300 cash in it, and a pot of beans for the ready on the stove, they find a receipt. It's time stamped just prior to Mary speaking with her mom. September 21st, they'd actually gone to town and purchased some fuel as well as some groceries. But they noticed some of the items they purchased are unaccounted for. They could see on the receipt from the supermarket that there were soft drinks and there was candy that was missing. They wouldn't have had time between September 21st when they went and when we arrived on September 22nd to have consumed all of that stuff. But the groceries aren't all that seem to be missing. They notice a rectangular spot surrounded by dust on the television. A VCR was missing. Why would a VCR be missing from a house? Uh, where would that have gone? We knew it had a broken door already, so maybe he took it to have the uh, door fixed or something like that. Somebody was gonna steal something. Why do you steal root beer, candy, a broken down VCR, and not steal $300 in cash? 
Those are things that would cause most police officers to start digging a little bit deeper, start trying to find out if, if what we're dealing with might be a crime. The officer agrees that something's not right and makes an official missing persons report. He began to increase his concern, you know, that my parents were somewhere on the farm and something had happened and we just hadn't been able to figure out where on the farm they were yet. We need to organize search parties to go try and find them. But at that time, conducting a search for their parents is nearly impossible. One, because of darkness and two, because of the torrential downpours. Anybody who lives in a small community understands flash flooding and with the amount of rain we're having, it wouldn't be long and the, the creeks would be uh, rising. Anytime you have heavier rainfall amounts of three inches or more in a short period of time, that's gonna create significant flooding. Drainage systems, creeks and streams cannot handle that much rain and that much volume of rain in such a short period of time. It washed out roads, it overflowed bridges and created significant impact there. We weren't able to get in and nobody was able to get out. And with no real evidence at the house, the only lead police can follow is the Lewis's truck. We had a description of the pickup that was also missing, but as far as that, uh, we really didn't have a lot to work with. Police issue a be on the lookout or BOLO for the vehicle. That information was sent to officers in those surrounding regions to help out. Local authorities also checked the couple's bank activity, but there are no recent transactions. They contact the St. Francois Sheriff's Department and the state police for additional resources, but even they are limited. We were torn between trying to protect the areas that were inundated by the Great Flood and diverting traffic around flood areas and uh, handling regular police calls too. So for us, it was a, a particularly difficult time. And the rain wasn't letting up anytime soon. They were really dealing with, at that point, a very, very active weather scenario. As police continue to battle the weather and look for the missing couple, a hunter stumbles upon something that confirms everyone's worst fears. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, 
propels us forward and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Bonterre police and the Lewis family are unable to search for their missing parents, Charles and Grace Lewis, when torrential rains unleash on their small town. That continued into September 23rd, where another 2.71 inches of rainfall fell from strong and severe thunderstorms. Folks were asked to come and join search parties on the farm, but those were pushed back because the rains were so strong and came so rapidly during that time and the waters rose up so quickly. They'll have to wait for the rain to stop and the water to recede before they can search. Police must turn their attention back to helping their community. In natural disasters such as flooding, resources are gonna be put to where they needed to be at that moment. And therefore, other issues may take the back burner. Rural agencies aren't that large, and when a whole series of catastrophic events occur, trying to decide which one you're going to deal with first, if I've got a flooded road and a family trapped in a car, right now I'm going to go deal with trying to help rescue the family in the car. By the following week, the rains have finally slowed, but there's still no word from Charles or Grace. We were convinced more and more that something had taken place of a heinous nature, and we just didn't know what that was. In the aftermath of the rain and flooding, the Lewis family, members of the community, and local police are finally able to organize a full-scale search for the couple. We had to wait for the water to recede to make the roads passable, but that's just roads passable. That's not counting the next four or five, six days waiting for the water to recede enough to traverse and go to the other parts of the farm. After weeks of searching their farm and other neighboring farms as well, neither the couple nor their truck is anywhere to be found. We began to think, okay, we need to expand this search, but where do you expand the search to? We knew that hunting season was coming up, so we had made up uh, flyers with a picture of my parents and a picture of the truck, and we had posted them everywhere. There was no shortage of people willing to help hang flyers out and assist with that. And the flyers work. Thirty miles from Bonterre, investigators finally get a lead. Some hunters scouting for where they're going to put their deer stand located my parents' truck. When police arrive, they confirm it is in fact the Lewis's missing truck. Although it's empty, someone went to great lengths to make the vehicle unidentifiable. The truck that was reported missing was found, but it was burned. 
Investigators try to lift fingerprints off the truck, but with no luck. Between the fire and the water damage from the back-to-back -back storms, any attempts to retrieve evidence from the vehicle are fruitless. In 1993, it would have probably been really difficult, if not impossible, to recover things such as DNA evidence from a burned motor vehicle. Things that we rely on today just didn't exist back then. Police search the area around the truck, but find no other evidence to the couple's whereabouts. It's another dead end. But the discovery does confirm one thing. Now it was very evident that my parents had met with some type of foul play. Investigators feel they are no longer working a missing persons case, but a homicide investigation. The Lewis family and everyone in the small community are devastated. The general impression in the town at that point was who could have done anything to harm these people because they were so generous and giving to a fault. With this new information, police have no choice but to focus on those closest to the couple, their children. And investigators are taking a closer look at one in particular who may have had a motive. There were some irregularities that caused a rift in the family. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. In the Great Missouri Flood's wake, the disappearance of Charles and Grace Lewis has turned into a homicide investigation after the couple's truck is found burnt and abandoned in the woods. 
with the discovery of that truck, the uh, investigation really began to ramp up. Local and state police decide they must take a closer look at the Lewis family. They soon discover that Charles Sr. and Charles Jr. were at odds over the family business. There were some irregularities in the accounting and those sorts of things that caused a rift in the family. When my father went through the books, he raised some concerns about what some of the expenditures were, and my brother didn't like to be questioned about that. He felt he was entitled as the president of the company to certain liberties, and so there was always some animosity from that standpoint. Police decide to give all the Lewis children lie detector tests. I know it disturbed the children greatly to have to be questioned like they might have been culprits or they might have been suspects, but uh, that's a standard procedure. And one by one, they are all told they failed to see if it might prompt a confession. One sibling is extremely bothered by it, Charles Jr. He lawyers up and refuses to talk to law enforcement any further. But with no bodies or physical evidence tying him or anyone else to a crime, police are no closer to the truth. To make matters worse, the small local police departments are strapped with the immediate problem of the flood's aftermath. Just because the river waters are going down doesn't mean that the impacts of river flooding and stream flooding is gone. Think about the things that the river is picking up along the way trees and debris and dirt and everything else. So there's a lot of cleanup that has to take place. And the record flooding has taken its toll on any hope of collecting any other evidence. They did a relook at the farm to uh, scour for any other type of clues that may not be normal, but any blood outside it all washed away. You know, any shell casings had, you know, long washed down the driveway. As fall turns into winter, the case slowly goes cold. By the following summer, with no fresh leads, investigators take another look at the case. And while scouring through the Lewis file, the Missouri State Highway Patrol finds something that may have been overlooked the missing VCR with a very obvious flaw. The door on the front where you slide the tape in was broken off. They immediately put out a press release about it. I put it on the newswire and it went all across the state and surprisingly, it generated a response. Two days after the bulletin goes out, a call comes into Washington County, a neighboring jurisdiction, and it's the big break they've been looking for. Somebody contacted the Washington County Sheriff's Department to ask a simple question. If I had received as a present a piece of merchandise that was involved in a murder, would I then be in trouble? And of course, police said, well, why do you ask and ask you more questions? And then he hung up the phone. Well, the police using caller ID identified who he was and went talked to him and discovered uh, you know, where he'd pawned it. And then they went to the pawn shop and talked to the pawn shop owners and recovered the VCR at that point. And it's a match to the one missing from the Lewis's home. Police immediately questioned the man who says he pawned it. 
Bruce Williams. Bruce Williams then also provided police with additional information regarding the case. According to Bruce, about a year earlier, his brother-in-law, 24-year-old Robert Roussin, gave him the VCR as a gift, but he pawned it a few months later. He says he had no idea it was part of a murder investigation until he saw the recent bulletin, and he knew he had to call the police. He says Robert lives on a rundown farm there in Washington County with his 36-year-old brother, William, and William's 17-year-old son, Brent, and gives them the address. Police waste no time getting to the farm. The location of the farm was fairly close to Monterre and St. Francis County, St. Francis and Washington County's border each other. When they arrive, Robert and his nephew, Brent Roussin, are the only ones home. Detectives take them both in for questioning. Robert is the first to be interrogated, and it doesn't take long for him to crack. He started cooperating quickly, and the story started to come together as to what happened. According to Robert, it all started when his brother William came up with a plan to steal some cattle from the Lewis farm to make a quick buck. Willie had known Charles Lewis, had done some work for him on the farm before, and was familiar with the layout and that he did have cattle there. Robert says on September 21st, 1993, around 4 p.m., he, William, and Brent, who was 16 at the time, jumped in their pickup truck with a trailer attached. William pulled out a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle and handed it to his son. He said he was going to let Brent become a man. The decision that was made was that uh, if no one was there, they would take cattle and then leave, but if someone was there, they were going to have to kill the people. They parked two miles from the farm and approached on foot. Brent asked to carry the gun, stating that he was man enough to do what was necessary, and William agreed. They stood and watched as Charles Lewis came out of the house and began mowing his lawn. A few minutes later, 16-year-old Brent raised the rifle and fired. Robert said William did, you know, direct Brent to do the shooting. Charles was shot six times. I don't know if he's trying to show his dad that he was as tough or as grown up. I, you know, those, those are things that just stymie my imagination. Grace was on the phone with her daughter and during that time went out to see what was going on. That's when William told his son to shoot her too. And he did. Grace was able to run back into the house. She was shot in both arms. But William quickly followed her. He rushed her, grabbed a plastic bag, threw it over her because she'd been shot uh, and was bleeding and didn't want to have to clean up the blood on the floor. William carried her outside and placed her on the ground and instructed his son to finish her off. He then proceeded to shoot my mom in the, in the head. And that was the... Uh, final cause of death. Then they cleaned up any blood and picked up all the shell casings. While inside the house, they consumed the newly purchased root beer and bag of candy. Then they stole the VCR, some random jewelry, and loaded two cows onto the trailer. 
they didn't want to take anything that was going to be too obvious. Charles and Grace's bodies were loaded into the Lewis's truck and transported back to the farm where the Roussins were staying. Robert claims they stored Charles and Grace's lifeless bodies in the shed until the next morning when they buried them on the farm before the rain set in. They were buried under a concrete slab that had been poured over the burial site. And when the rains came in that night, it washed away any of the evidence at the Lewis farm, helping the killers get away with murder. They then sold the cattle and abandoned and burned the Lewis's truck in the woods where it was found a month later. After his confession, Robert Roussan and Brent Roussan are both charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Police get a warrant to search the Roussan farm, but William Roussan has vanished. Will the ringleader escape justice? I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. In 1994, the Midwest is recovering after record-breaking floods covered the region a year before. Although the worst of the flooding occurred during the summer of 1993, the impacts were felt across much of the region for many years. Of the 17 million acres that were flooded, most were being used for farmland. This had a long-term impact on the industry, as some of the land wasn't able to be used for farming again for many years after the floodwaters had receded. Police in Missouri have arrested Robert Roussin and his 17-year-old nephew, Brent, for the murders of Charles and Grace Lewis and are on the hunt for the one who masterminded their deaths, Brent's father, William Roussin. It is just astounding to me that a 16-year-old was brought into this crime and forced to, in cold blood, kill two innocent people for cows and a VCR. When police speak with Brent, he corroborates his uncle's story that his father was the mastermind behind it all. And he admits he was the shooter. Brent said that he did it because his dad had directed him to do it and said, you have to do this. That's something that even to this day bothers me that uh, the father just gave that particular job to his son, a 16-year-old. Police issue an all-points bulletin and dig into William's past. Turns out, he's no stranger to crime. 
1988, William was convicted of rape and assault in Washington state. He escaped custody in 1989 and returned to his hometown of Potosi, Missouri, a neighboring county to Bonterre. That's when he did some work on Charleston Grace's farm. Several weeks later, William was caught and sent back to prison. In June of 1993, just three months before Charleston Grace went missing, William was released. The following day, multiple police agencies arrived to the Roussan farm to exhume Charles and Grace's remains. It did not take the officers long to locate where the bodies were buried. The FBI was there with a forensics team that dug up the evidence. The bodies were found in a shallow grave with concrete poured over the top of the graves. In the home, they uncover some random jewelry and other small items belonging to the Lewises. When news of the Roussins' involvement gets around Bonterre, the community is stunned. People just simply shook their heads and said that uh, the, the Lewises would have given them anything that they needed if they'd asked for help. I was shocked. Just could not believe the, the enormity of the crime and that Willie had been involved in it. Then, almost a year to the day after the Lewises were murdered, police tracked down William Roussin at an old home just outside of town. He is arrested without incident. Surprisingly, William cooperates with police and admits that most of what Robert and Brent told them is true, with the exception of one thing, the motive. He says they were not there to steal cows at all. Instead, William claims he was hired to provide a mercy killing orchestrated by Charles Lewis himself. My mom was struggling with Lyme disease, probably weighed all of maybe 110 pounds. So she wasn't doing that well physically. And William had said my father had told him, could he come through and take them both out of their misery so uh, he wouldn't have to live without her and she wouldn't have to be in pain anymore. But police aren't buying his story. With that, William inexplicably comes up with another scenario, this one involving Charles Jr. William Roussan told police that my brother had actually paid him $10,000 to murder my parents. According to William, Charles Jr. told him that after years of infighting in the family business, he was tired of being questioned about his every decision but investigators find nothing to back up his statement. William Roussin is charged with two counts of first-degree murder. As prosecutors prepare for trial, William, Robert, and Brent Roussin all face capital murder charges, and with them, the death penalty. It's been a year since the Great Flood of 1993 crippled nine states with catastrophic flooding that lasted from April to October. 47 people died as a result of the flood. At least 75 towns were completely inundated. 
approximately 54,000 people had to be evacuated from flooded areas, and 50,000 homes were destroyed or damaged. Losses were estimated at 15 to 20 billion dollars. It will forever be one of the worst natural disasters that the United States has ever seen. Unfortunately, the floodwaters washed away crucial evidence and hindered the investigation into the missing couple, Charles and Grace Lewis. If weather was sunny and dry as normal for that time of year, police would probably have got footprints and fingerprints from the scene and got better leads a lot sooner than having to wait nearly a year before finding the bodies of Grace and Charles Lewis in a shallow grave. Now prosecutors and the Lewis family are ready to see justice served. Three years after the murders, in March 1996, the trial phase begins. Even though Brent Roussin was 16 years old at the time of the crime, he is considered an adult by the state. He agrees to plead guilty to two counts of first-degree murder to avoid the death penalty. He was given the opportunity to talk about the event, to explain his role in it, and in order to avoid the death penalty, the young man agreed to provide evidence. Brent said he was sorry for what happened and wish it hadn't happened, and he went away from prison. Brent is sentenced to two consecutive life terms without parole. But in 2016, Due to a change in the Missouri state law for juvenile murderers, he can request parole after serving 25 years. Robert Roussin also makes a deal with prosecutors. Robert pleaded guilty to second degree murder and agreed to testify against his brother, William. Robert, he was very remorseful and did not actually play a part in any of the actual shooting and or the, the deaths of my parents. He is sentenced to 15 years. He was paroled after serving seven years. On October 21st, 1996, three years after the Lewises were shot in cold blood, William Roussin goes to trial on two counts of first-degree murder. He sticks to his story about the murders being mercy killings, but the jury isn't convinced. After two and a half days of testimony, William Roussin is found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder. Two months later, on December 20th, he is sentenced to life without parole for the murder of Charles Lewis and receives the death sentence for the murder of Grace Lewis. I can't imagine those moments from my mom seeing my dad being shot to being shot herself and then laying there next to him, waiting for the coup de gras to end her life as well. After exhausting all appeals, William Roussin is executed by lethal injection in April of 2014. I would say that justice was served, but I know that two wrongs don't make a right. But for someone to do something as heinous as this was, made them a danger, I think, to everyone else around them too. My opinion and my siblings' opinions, we're all in agreement that because William had actually escaped from a, a prison previously and uh, not out of vengeance or revenge, but because we truly believe that it's better for society, we told the state if they deemed his actions were sentenceable by death, 
then therefore it was their right to do so and we would support that decision. To this day, the good people of Bonterre are still trying to come to terms with the senseless murders of Charles and Grace Lewis. I feel that this was just a very uh, horrific and needless crime, given the generous nature of Charles and Grace both. Emotionally, it's hard for me to grasp everything that occurred, even though I know it occurred. There are times even now when I'm at the farmhouse when I know this sounds really crazy, but I can hear my mom's laugh. I can hear my dad literally pounding on the piano and having great times. And it just, it brings both tears of joy and of misery at the same time, if that makes any sense. I miss him dearly. All this is a result of a perfect storm of events that wound up putting us through a year in hell and, and a lifetime of uh, change, but, you know, I'll see my parents again in heaven. The small town of Bonterre will never be the same. It was just a very unsettling series of events that made everyone in the area uh, a little more cautious and probably more people locking their doors. You'd think of crime happening more in the city, not in a rural area, but it can happen anywhere. And while justice was ultimately served, it might have been swifter if it hadn't been for the Great Flood of 1993. Weather in this case played a significant role in preventing investigators from getting solid evidence. Weather affects everything and everybody. 